So how many of you got breakfast in bed today? That's, no, okay. Uh, <laughs> you've heard me give the story about the bacon, egg, and cheese biscuits. And so like that app that came through, McDonald's app is like, get your mom a bacon, egg, and cheese biscuit. And I saw someone post it on Facebook, who would do that? And I'm like, yeah. <laughs> so shout out to my hubby who got me a bacon, egg, and cheese biscuit for Mother's Day this morning. Sad to throw that out there. So Mother's Day can be just a mixed bag of emotions for so many people. Some people lost a mother and today is really hard. Others have longed to be moms and it just kind of evaded them and it's like one of the Sundays they want to avoid on the calendar. Other people are so excited because you're pregnant or you've already had your first kid and this is your first Mother's Day. So no matter where we're at in life today, we can, we can smile with gratitude knowing that all of us have come from a mom. Whether we feel great about our mom or we're missing our mom, uh, we all were products of mom. So happy Mother's Day to each and every one of you. Now the title of the message today is called Deal With It. And each of us have opportunities in our life. A lot of times we'll say to our kids, you just need to deal with it. And how many know that we get the opportunity to deal with things as well in our own heart as adults? Uh, me, I wanna quick give a family update. We have another daughter-in-law in the family. My son David got married March 31st. David, he married his bride, Kellen, so excited. They just wanted to have a small intimate wedding with family and they're gonna have a celebration later this summer. So. Now I've got four sons, four daughter-in-laws, three grandkids, and I have to give a quick shout out to Kevin and Josie who got dedicated at Elk River today. Uh, grandma and grandpa love you guys, and so excited. My son, they, my son and my daughter-in-law kept putting it off, and I said, don't try to plan it around us. Just do uh, dedicate to the Lord, and we'll be excited with you. So uh, we'll be watching it later. Anyhow, so that's exciting, and then, Last week, Nate and I were gone. We were in Israel, and we had such a great time. We went with about 35 people, mostly from Emmanuel, so we went with a group. And I know some of you may go, oh, it's so, that sounds so much fun. I was not excited. I'm like, traveling is kind of one of those things that going to Israel was not even on my top 10 list. And I'm one of those people who are a little bit nervous to fly over the ocean. It was actually the first time I left the continent. I've only gone to Mexico for vacation before. I've done most of my missions stateside. So I was like, this is a big deal. But I had told Nate that when the kids graduate from high school, I would be more willing to risk my life and travel. <laughs> I, you know, I know you think that's funny, but growing up in my house, my dad thought we were risking our lives going on a roller coaster. So if you're like going across the world, this is a real big deal. But uh, we had a great time. We got to go to Capernia. We got to go to Caesarea. We got to see where Jesus did his ministry. It was just beautiful. It was so much fun because we had people from every location with us on the trip. So we got a chance to mingle with people from Maple Grove and Elk River and Lakeville and Spring Lake Park. It was such a great time. And of the trip, I was kind of surprised that I enjoyed it as much as I did, to be honest. Uh, the thing that stood out to me the most was seeing Nate's face, uh, just being, you know, seeing a lifelong dream of his fulfilled. I think he, you know, ever since I've known him, he's wanted to go to Israel. So to be there and be able to capture that, it was pretty awesome. 
But I really enjoyed seeing the skyline of Jerusalem. Like when we passed over the bridge, the tour guide is like, everyone look to your left, you're not gonna be disappointed, look to your left, and you could just see Jerusalem. And it was like, whoa, the whole bus is like, wow. And for me, it was like cool seeing like Jesus' childhood, home and where he grew up and that kind of thing. But to see the skyline of Jerusalem, I'm like, oh wow, that's the future. Like Jesus is coming again and new heaven and new earth. And so it was just really moving to me. But of all the things that we had, and the other thing I probably stood out was like the Western Wall, praying at the Western Wall and taking a few prayer requests and praying among other people. They say it's the closest place on earth where you know, the veil between heaven and earth is the thinnest. And watching Nate pray and come, he was just sobbing. And we just cried together and just really sensed God's presence. But there was one thing that didn't meet my expectations. So it was the Dead Sea story. So we went to the Dead Sea and everyone was like all excited about this. They're like, so cool, it's 30% salt and so your body's gonna float and you can just lay back and you can't put your feet down. And then it's like, okay, well, you probably wanna wear shoes. And so thinking all this, we go to the place, we go and change into swimsuits. Everybody is like taking turns watching valuables on the beach. And I say beach loosely because it's not really a beach. It was like clay and mud and rocks. And so people are like, they didn't tell me to wear shoes. And I'm like, yeah, you gotta wear your shoes. So we got our turn to go into the water and it just was not, you know, you look down and can't see the bottom because it's so dirty. And you know, they had told us like, oh, this is so good for your skin. So stay in the Dead Sea for like 10 minutes, but don't stay longer than that because then it starts damaging you. But make sure you get like, <laughs> mud and do the mud rub and you can get, you know, make you look younger or whatever. I'm like, okay. So then, you know, we shuffle down to the deck or the dock and we're getting ready to get in. I look down, I can't see the bottom and it's probably only this deep, you know, and it's like, okay. And my better self would not get into water that dirty, but it was so like epic, we had to do this. And so we get in and then Nate turns around and looks and there's a gal from our trip who needed a little bit of help. And so he, being the nice guy that he is, he's like, okay, Jody, we're gonna help you. We're gonna help her. This will be great. And I get in and I fall. And then that like even builds a case. We've really got to help, you know, our friend too. So I fall, I get salt in my eye. I'm like, this is not what I expected. And then, you know, we get in and I trip on another rock. My shoe goes floating to the top and I'm like, okay. <laughs> and I see a bunch of our friends and they're like, isn't this great? I'm like, no, I like with one eye because I got salt in my eye. And like, this is not great. And then I trip on another rock and then people are like, lay down in the water. And I'm like, oh, okay. So I'm laying in the water and I'm like kind of awkwardly, you know, and Nate's like, this is awesome. And I'm like, you know, people are like, do you want mud? No, I don't want mud. I want to get out of here. So I finally get out of the water and it's kind of got like this weird, greasy, grimy feel to it. And I'm like, whoa. And I see my friend Jane Poley and she's gone to Israel like multiple times. And she's like, did you like it? And I'm like, no. And I'm like, I noticed you didn't get in the water. I'm like, Jane, if you won't do it twice, I'm not gonna do it once. That's my clue from here on out. But it was just funny because so many of the people on the trip, they loved it. Like one gal, Angie, she's like, this is the first time I ever floated in my whole life. It was so awesome. And another person's like, and I'm like, oh, it was not awesome. I, like, honestly, I had a salty attitude, pun intended, okay? And so, uh, our expectations just set us up, don't they? 
set us up for disappointments. I'm like, I didn't expect to fall on a rock. I didn't expect to have slime all over me. I didn't expect my husband to be helping someone else, (laughs) you know, but it was okay. So what do we do when things don't turn out like we hoped for or expected? What do we do when we run into trials, challenges, and hardships? So the story of the Dead Sea was just a small, kind of minute thing. But what happens when life gets hard? When things don't turn out like we expect? We've got a marriage that we thought would be different and it's not turning out what we thought it would be. Or maybe you're single and you're like, hey, I didn't expect to be widowed or I thought I'd be married by now. Others struggle with wanting to have a child and it doesn't happen and it hasn't happened or our kids fall away from faith and we're like, I didn't see that coming. I thought I did everything I should do by bringing them to church and putting God's word in their heart. Or what about an illness or a death unexpectedly or financial troubles? We all have things in life that happen to us that we did not expect. So today we're gonna read a passage from the Old Testament about a woman named Hannah. And life wasn't turning out exactly like she expected. We'll read about how she experienced trials and suffering and how she was able to turn it over to God. So we're gonna read 1 Samuel chapters one and most of chapter two. So if you have your Bible and you wanna turn with me, we'll just begin reading, all right? 1 Samuel one. There was a man named Elkanah who lived in Ramah in the region of Zuf, in the hill country of Ephraim. He was the son of Jerom, son of Elu, son of Tohu, son of Zuf, of Ephraim. Elkanah had two wives, Hannah and Panina. Panina had children, but Hannah did not. Now we know from the order that their names were listed, Hannah was the first wife. So there's a lot going on in these couple verses. We got the genealogy, we're hearing how important, you know, the son of, son of, son of, that's a big deal to keep the family name going. And there is a lot going on. Now, just picture the situation. Hannah is married. She's like so excited. She's on her honeymoon, hanging out with her husband. Things are going great. Maybe they got home and they bought their first house and, you know, started settling down. She's working her dream job. Like all these things are going great. And then one small thing happens. She's not able to have kids. And so her husband takes another wife, a rival wife. Now we know from the Bible in Genesis 2.24 that the Bible says in creation that This explains why a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife, and the two are united into one. So it's not supposed to be like two or three or four, it was two. But nevertheless, the Bible records these situations, but it doesn't endorse it or encourage it. And here, Hannah is stuck with a rival wife in her life. So we're just picturing that situation. Her biological clock is ticking. She was barren. Elkanai takes another wife. And this gal is able to have children. And now we'll see what happens next. All right. So I'm going to share like five thoughts from the story of Hannah. And the first one is we all have dreams. So each of us have our hopes and our dreams, our expectations of how life should go or expectations of how this message should go today. Uh, We have our our things that going on, like in our life, when Nate and I got married, 
we took that marriage test and I scored with unrealistic view of marriage. I had unrealistic expectations. I'm like, no, not me. And then we get married and I'm like, wait a minute, this is not what I thought I signed up for. Like, <laughs> Nate is awesome and everything. But you know, you start, you get married and all of a sudden you start having kids and I feel like I'm supposed to stay home and like things, you know, we have these dreams of things are gonna go great and then all of a sudden, you know, it's not always the way we think it's gonna be. Uh, so this story about Hannah is about the haves and the have-nots. She doesn't have kids and she's got Panina who does. All right, so let's continue reading. First Samuel 1, starting in verse 3. Each year, Elkanah would travel to Shiloh to worship and sacrifice to the Lord of Heaven's armies at the tabernacle. The priests of the Lord at that time were two sons of Eli, Hophni and Phinehas. On the days Elkanah presented his sacrifice, he would give portions of the meat to Penina and each of her children. And though he loved Hannah, he would give her only one choice portion because the Lord had given her no children. So Penina would taunt Hannah and make fun of her because the Lord had kept her from having children. Year after year, it was the same. Penina would haunt or would taunt Hannah as they went to the tabernacle. Each time, Hannah would be reduced to tears and, it, and would not even eat. Why are you crying, Hannah? Elkanah would ask. Why aren't you eating? Why be so down? Why be downhearted just because you have no children? You have me. Isn't that better than having 10 sons? And I like if you continue looking, she doesn't answer him, so. <laughs> so sometimes life can be good until it isn't. We have challenges and trials and different things that just sneak in right when we don't expect it. We have a dream and when it's not met in our way and in our time, we can become disappointed and discouraged. We have that ideal that we're hoping for, but instead we have challenges and setbacks. Hannah, she had the rival wife who was teasing her and making fun of her for not having kids. She was feeling bad about it and it was happening year after year. The Bible says year after year, it was the same. And Hannah was crying and complaining and it was not fixing her situation. I love that Hannah did not answer him. So five lessons we can learn from Hannah. The first one is we all have dreams. The second one is we deal with disappointment. So there comes a point in our life where there is a gap between what we expected and what we are experiencing, our ideal and what our reality is. So I was saying like for how wonderful I married the man of my dreams, we end up getting married, it was great, and then we feel like God's calling us into ministry, so uh, we take on ministry and that becomes super busy. I felt like the Lord wanted me to uh, stay home and we had our first son, David, and then pretty soon it was like, finances were pretty tight, and I was like, okay, well, we're on government cheese now and signing up for WIC and didn't expect that. But how many know that that's just a part of the story? It's not the whole story. And God was working in us during this whole time. I remember there was um, one point in my life that I was really disappointed as my sons got older. You know, how many know it's fun to have kids until you realize they have a free will? And you're like, wait a minute, like I didn't teach you to do that, you know? And I remember there was a time that I was uh, really disappointed with a couple of my sons and some of the choices that they were making almost to the point where I was like obsessing over it. And disappointment is really a sadness or displeasure that uh, 
of a non-fulfillment of hopes and expectations. And so I didn't see this in the future for us. I didn't see that there would be hard times. And I remember being at church and I was talking to one of my friends and she looked at me and I was telling her a little bit about the situation. And she goes, you need to deal with your disappointment about your sons with God. I'm like, what? And she's like, you need to deal with it with God. And she was right. And it was one of those things that I had to take my complaints and take it to the Lord and, and work through all the sadness in my heart, adjust my expectations and give the situation to God. It was another level of repentance and surrender for me. So disappointment and discouragement have a way of getting the better part of us. It'll drive us away from God when we focus in on ourselves, or it can drive us closer to God when we focus in on him and surrender. It's kind of a sifting in our lives. I love what Matthew eleven six says, and blessed is he who is not offended because of me. And Jesus said that, blessed is he who is not offended because of me. And as God works in our lives and situations and things don't turn out the way we expect, we're blessed if we still lean into God and realize that he's working greater in our lives. It's kind of one of those balancing things where it's like, well, Lord, I think I got better ideas than you. No, we don't. And these are those situations where we get to discover that. So I loved what the founding pastor, Pastor Dennis, used to say, lower your expectations and you'll be disappointed less often. All right, let's continue reading, picking up in verse nine, 1 Samuel 1, starting in verse nine. Once after a sacrifice meal at Shiloh, Hannah got up and went to pray. Eli the priest was sitting at his customary place beside the entrance of the tabernacle. Hannah was in deep anguish, crying bitterly as she prayed to the Lord. And she made this vow, O Lord of heaven's armies, if you will look upon my sorrow and answer my prayer and give me a son, then I will give him back to you. He will be yours for his entire lifetime. And as a sign that he has been dedicated to the Lord, his hair will never be cut. As she was praying to the Lord, Eli watched her, seeing her lips moving, but hearing no sound. He thought she has been drinking, must he thought she had been drinking. Must you come here drunk, he demanded. Throw away your wine. Oh, no, sir, she replied. I haven't been drinking wine or anything stronger. I like how she makes that distinction. <laughs> but I am very discouraged, and I was pouring out my heart to the Lord. Don't think I'm a wicked woman, for I have been praying out of great anguish and sorrow. In that case, Eli said, go in peace. May the God of Israel grant the request you have asked of him. Oh, thank you, sir, she exclaimed. Then she went back and began to eat again, and she was no longer sad. Five lessons from Hannah. First, we have dreams. We all deal with disappointments. And the third thing is there are defining moments in our lives. When we face disappointments, trials, setbacks, we actually have only two options. The first option is to trust God. The second option is to not trust God. And these options actually face us every day of our lives. But it's those trials and those challenges that actually make it like an urgent choice. So Hannah, she chose to trust God. She had this time of waiting, suffering, and challenges. Now, when we think of waiting, Nate and I were on a date a couple weeks ago. And uh, you all know he always talks about like 
slow drivers in the left lane in Minnesota and how it bugs them. And we had one of those days where it was kind of a lot of the slow drivers in the left lane and, you know, long lines or the last to get picked or served kind of thing. And we just started laughing. I'm like, I, I don't think the Lord's trying to teach us patience. I think the Lord's trying to teach us to wait. And then we had this just random Christian song playlist going. And all of a sudden it's like, did you hear that song? That was about waiting. Did you hear that song? It was about waiting. So there's a couple songs in a row where God is like just reaffirming that we need to wait. And I think in our lives, sometimes we look and we go, God, you're not working the way I thought you would in my timing and in my situation, and we miss out on the waiting. So Hannah, she kept going to the tabernacle. She kept going with her family. She brought her sorrow and her anguish to God. Now, the last few weeks, we've been talking about prayer, and I think there's one aspect that's super important of prayer that sometimes we miss in our American church, and that's the prayer of lament. And here, Hannah was lamenting. And lamenting, there's four basic components of it, where it's turning with our sorrow, we're turning to God, we're complaining to God, we're asking God to intervene, and then we're trusting him with the results. And I think there's situations in our life, whether it's our family or finances or different situations where we need to take our complaints to God. And as I was standing here in worship, I really felt like the Lord wanted me to encourage the church is when we're disappointed with how things are happening in our country and in our state, we need to take it to God. We need to turn to him. We need to lay it out before our complaints to him. We need to ask God to move in the situation and we need to trust him. And so I really feel like God wants us to lament even about our world today. So God hears his people when they cry out to him. Bible's full of examples of that. And Hannah's desperate prayer led to her surrender, complete surrender. And nothing in her circumstances changed except her countenance and she got joy. Isn't that amazing? She surrendered her motives and her will to God. This wasn't about her anymore. It was about the Lord's will for her life and what God would do through her. I love the scripture in James 4, verses two through three. You want what you don't have, so you scheme and kill to get it. You are jealous of what others have, but you can't get it. So you fight and wage war to take it away from them. Yet you don't have what you want because you don't ask God for it. And even when you ask, you don't get it because your motives are all wrong. You want, only what you, you want only what will give you pleasure. So Hannah had some defining moments. She asked the Lord for a son. She wasn't bargaining with him. She was just pouring out her commitment to him. She handled the scrutiny of Eli, who was like, are you drunk? And she handled it with grace. And that was a lot different than what she had handled when she was getting ridiculed earlier. So you could see there's some changes as she's laying it before the Lord. Hannah had to wait, but she had an expectant trust in her heart and in her life. And I had a situation, like I was saying, my family with things that were turning out not exactly like I expected. And I found myself praying and lamenting before the Lord. I didn't even realize that that's what it was, but it was lamenting. And I remember being in the living room floor and I was crying and I was sobbing. And I'm like, God, I'm so sorry. Like I failed you. Like I did everything I thought I needed to do right. And Lord, somehow I failed you. And it was like the Lord kind of like dusted me off and said, no, this isn't about you. It's not about whether you're a good mom or a bad mom or did things right or did things wrong. 
God is working in my kids and I just need to be patient and wait and pray and turn it over to him. And I could get out of that place and go, hallelujah, Lord, you're working. And sometimes when we have that opportunity to lay things before God, things don't change around us right away, but what we see changes. Just like, you know, at the Dead Sea, all these other people were excited because their expectations were different. All of a sudden your expectations change and you go, God, I can see you're working. All right, back to 1 Samuel, starting in verse 19. The entire family got up early the next morning and went to worship the Lord once more. Then they returned home to Ramah. When Elkanah slept with Hannah, the Lord remembered her plea. And in due time, she gave birth to a son. She named him Samuel, for she said, I asked the Lord for him. The next year, Elkanah and his family went on their annual trip to offer a sacrifice to the Lord and to keep his vow. But Hannah did not go. She told her husband, wait until the boy is weaned. Then I will take him to the tabernacle and leave him there with the Lord permanently. Whatever you think is best, Elkanah agreed. Stay here for now and may the Lord help you keep your promise. So she stayed home and nursed the boy until he was weaned. When the child was weaned, Hannah took him to the tabernacle in Shiloh. They brought along a three-year-old bull for the sacrifice and a basket of flour and some wine. After sacrificing the bull, they brought the boy to Eli. Sir, do you remember me? Hannah asked. I am the very woman who stood here several years ago praying to the Lord. I asked the Lord to give me this boy and he has granted my request. Now I am giving him to the Lord and he will belong to the Lord his whole life. And they worshiped the Lord there. Wow. Five lessons from Hannah. Dreams, we all have dreams, we all have disappointments, we all have defining moments. And the fourth one is we need to stay dedicated to what we said to the Lord. So all of us have times in our life where we're like, Lord, if you just provide for my finances, I promise I'll tithe. Or Lord, if you give me that job, I will do whatever you want. Or I will go to the ends of the earth. I will do whatever you want. And we need to take serious the vows and the things that we commit to the Lord. And we need to follow through and be dedicated. Stay dedicated like Hannah did. Now, child dedications are based on this scripture about Samuel and how they, they brought Samuel and dedicated him to the Lord. So today, as we dedicated kids to the Lord, it's, it's kind of signifying like, hey, Lord, you gave me this child and I'm giving the child back to you for you to use them for your kingdom. Although we get to keep them, right? <laughs> so as I thought about this Mother's Day message, I had a picture of a mama bear. And a lot of times we think about culturally a mama bear is like, I'm gonna be protective of my kids for their whole life. I'm gonna watch out and make sure they're okay. And as I did a little bit of research on the North American Bear Center website, I learned that black bears keep their cubs with them for about 17 months. And then when mating season comes, they launch their cubs out. They like literally chase them up a tree and they get a little skittish and then they come down and they chase them up. And they're actually protecting them from the males and they send them into their destiny. And I think about Hannah as being the ultimate, ultimate mama bear where she realized that this child is not about her. It's about what God wanted to do and she was able to give him back to the Lord. She prayed and she gave. So let's pick up in 1 Samuel chapter two in the first 10 verses. This is all about Hannah's song that she's singing about rejoicing about the gift that God gave her. Listen to this. Then Hannah prayed, my heart rejoices in the Lord. 
The Lord has made me strong. Now I have an answer for my enemies. I will rejoice because you rescued me. No one is holy like you, Lord. There is no one besides you. There is no rock like our God. Stop acting so proud and haughty. Don't speak with such arrogance. For the Lord is God who knows what you have done. He will judge your actions. The bow of the mighty is now broken. And those who stumbled are now strong. Those who are well-fed are now starving. And those who were starving are now full. The childless woman, the child, childless woman now has seven children. And the woman with many children wastes away. The Lord gives both death and life. He brings some down to the grave, but raises others up. The Lord makes some poor and others rich. He brings some down and lifts others up. He lifts the poor from the dust and the needy from the garbage dump. He sets them among princes, placing them in seats of honor. For all the earth is the Lord's, and he has set the world in order. He will protect his faithful ones, but the wicked will disappear in darkness. No one will succeed by strength alone. Those who fight against the Lord will be shattered. He thunders against them from heaven. The Lord judges throughout the earth. He gives power to his king. He increases the strength of his anointed one. And then I love the next verse. It says, then Elkanai returned home to Ramah without Samuel. And the boy served the Lord by assisting Eli the priest. Wow, look at that again. Can you imagine she, Hannah, released the very thing that she wanted from the Lord. So five lessons from Hannah. Number five is our choice impacts the destiny of others. Hannah sings a song of joy as she dedicates and leaves her son at the, with the tabernacle. And God turned her story around. Her heart, her situation, she ended up having more children. She was no longer barren. She returns the very thing she wanted back to God. And often we focus on ourselves in the story. We can go, hey, this is Hannah's story. But really, Hannah's story is setting up the story of Samuel. It actually sets up the entire couple next books of the Bible. And how did God use Samuel? Samuel lived in God's presence. He heard God's voice. His mother was able to visit him every year and brought him a coat. But Samuel was a prophet. He spoke to the nations. He transitioned the nation of Israel from judges to kings. God used him to anoint both Saul and David as king. Our kids and our situations all have destinies beyond us. And when we make choices to give it to God, he takes it and he turns the situation around. When we release them, he does so much more than we could. I love what Psalms 127.4 says, Children born to a young man are like arrows in the warrior's hand. God gives them so we can send them out. So you, what are the things you find yourself longing for? Are you disappointed or discouraged in the waiting? What is the it that you need to deal with? Maybe you've longed for a child that hasn't happened yet, or you're dealing with an illness or a job loss or a situation or finances. How have you dealt with your disappointments? Do you pretend it doesn't exist? Are you suffering from depression or anxiety? What, have you, what if you brought it to God? Not only the situation, but your whole self. Hannah's whole demeanor changed. And I think about in the gospel when Jesus came, he came to earth in a way that nobody expected. They didn't expect him to come as a lowly, in a lowly manger. They wanted a king. 
but yet Jesus lives a perfect life and he ministers to people. And then it comes where he has to go to the cross and be crucified. And he prays, Lord, if there's any other way, can you take this cup from me? Can you do something different? Nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. And his choice impacted the destiny of the whole world. And I think there's people here today that God wants to do a defining moment in your life. Maybe it's you're giving your heart to the Lord for the first time and you're letting him take your story and turn it around. And as we prepare to close, I really feel led to pray for a couple groups of people. And when I'm done praying, there's gonna be a song sung at each of the locations called He Turned It. And that song is meant to minister to you as you listen to it and you can apply what God is speaking to you through this message. We sang it at our sisterhood night and I felt like it was worth repeating here today. It's a powerful song. And when I say amen after I pray, then it's gonna go to each location. You're gonna have a chance to reflect on what we talked about. But first, I wanna pray for you. Some of you here today, you need to deal with disappointment and you need to turn it to God. You need to let him turn your story around. Perhaps you're in a season of waiting and you're at a point of a defining moment and you need strength to hold on. Others of you here, you're in a great place and I am so excited and happy for you. And I'm gonna pray that the Lord gives you opportunities to encourage others. Let's pray. Lord, I just thank you, God, for each and every person in this room. Lord, it's not by accident that they're here. Father, there's some moms in this room, God, that the answer to the prayer is their kid coming to church today. And I pray, God, that you would continue to work in the situations, Lord. I ask, God, that you would help those who need uh, in a season of disappointment, Lord, where they need their story turned around. I pray, God, that they would surrender it to you, every expectation, every longing, and God, that they would have a humble heart knowing, God, that you are in control and you are writing a greater story. And for those who are in a great place, I pray, God, that you would give them eyes to see, to look around to those who maybe just need a, a word of encouragement. And I pray, God, that you would take this word, put it deep in their heart, and let, it, uh, let them encourage others, God. Have your way in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for joining us. We pray that you are encouraged and blessed by today's message. Check out emmanuelcc.org for faith resources, how to get plugged into community, or to join us live on Sundays at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. Central Standard Time. We are so excited to see what God is going to do. The best is yet to come.